It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I am not Bryce Dunn, I'm Manu Weff. Um, I'm hosting this week because Bryce, well, Bryce decided not to come with us to Germany, to this wonderful place in Berlin. Um, so if you're listening in, Bryce, we're missing you. We're missing you very much. We're actually sitting at the Olympiastadion in Berlin, uh, the venue of the cup final and also where we hung out, um, last week. Chris Williams here with me. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Yeah, it's real good. We've had a fantastic week so far. Saw two really good games over the weekend. Um, you can hear loads of banging because there's another really good game going to be happening next Saturday or this Saturday as you listen to it when um, Bayern play Frankfurt here in the Olympiastadion um, and we can hear the Champions League music for some reason it's on a constant loop which is a little bizarre but maybe they're checking the levels but yeah I'm intrigued by the VAR screens as well down the side yeah there's VAR screens there's, there's lots of things I'm not even sure you know like what everything is happening here it is We're looking forward to seeing the tops, you know, the tops that they put out on each end. It's really beautiful stuff. Uh, they're not up yet. There's buzzing and people banging stuff around. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that game, actually, Chris. That cup final is going to be real good. Bayern against Frankfurt. Frankfurt, um, dramatic end of the season. They dropped out of the European places. They're now eighth in the standings. So this is their last chance to, to actually reach European football. And then, of course, that the story Kovac against his new club. So much happening. Um, anything that I missed? I mean, that, that's, there's lots and lots of stuff. Um, Frankfurt need to pretty much win this game now. Yeah, they do. They've had a, ter a terrible end of season and it all coincided with Kovac's announcement that he's going to be taking over at Bayern. Then the um, backside fell out of them and they've dropped points um, dramatically, really. And this is their last chance. They've finished outside that seven. Seventh would have been safe bet for them no matter what. But they fell out of that. Obviously, Stuttgart got that. Um, and obviously I was here last year to see Frankfurt just get beaten in the end by Borussia Dortmund in the Pokal and they were unlucky on that day to some extent, didn't take the chances when they needed. I have a feeling though that this particular cup final might have a sting in the tail, especially mm. if you go by Saturday's result, Bayern were somewhere else, they weren't at, um, they weren't at the match, they were hammered weren't they? The, the, I, I can only think they'd been partying before that game. They probably partied a little after it. Can they do it here? Can they win? Can they win the double? Because obviously they were going for the treble, weren't they? But that's now not going to happen because they were knocked out by Real. They were going on to Champions League final. So this is it. This is the final game for Jupp Heynckes as a Bayern Munich coach. And his final chance to get that last piece of silverware that he'll have wanted. He'll want to go out with the double no matter what. Um, and Niko Kovac the youngster and his successor stands in his way so it's, it's going to be a really interesting game and one I'm certainly looking forward to. I'm intrigued Chris that that final we of course uh, we've been here in Germany now for three days in Berlin traveling around a bit we get to that part in a bit but we've seen the headlines um, most of the headlines of course focus on another club but there was one headline that I found very interesting um, this morning in Kicker and it in It was about Nico Kovac and Lukas Radetzky, of course, the outgoing Eintracht Frankfurt coach saying about, a goalkeeper saying about the outgoing Eintracht Frankfurt coach, not directly, but, well, he's like saying, well, you know, if the, if the physical aspects aren't there anymore, it's hard to really get the head going. Um, blah, blah, blah. I quote, right? So I, I think there's a little bit of a sense that, you know, Kicker said Kovac may struggle, might be struggling a little bit with, fitness issues that he's not 
overworking his team a little bit. His team seemed exhausted at the end of the season and really dropping off and having to rely on that final. Um, and that really, you know, for me personally, you know, he's now going to Bayern. He's now going to work with all these megastars. You know, that's, there's going to be a bit of concern there, isn't there? I think there will, because the last thing they'll want is to be thrashed um, in Felix Magath style. So it's, it's going to be hard for him because we saw how well Frankfurt played earlier on in the season. I think around about Christmas time, they're doing very, very well. Even going into the new year, we were talking how fantastic they were. I saw them absolutely destroy Wolfsburg. That was Manuel's map going for a, a blow there, uh, if you heard in the background. So you might have a point that the team have worked too hard. And you would think that in order for that stamina to be built up, that comes in pre-season. Um, really, and I'll speak about Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, he's coaching the Bundesliga and he works his players very, very hard in pre-season in order for that stamina to be evident throughout the whole season into the last games. And obviously, he's worked very well for Klopp. It's going to be difficult for Kovacs to take that mindset he's got and he's had at Frankfurt of really thrashing the players and expecting superstars to do it and to still be happy. And what happens when they get a little tired? You saw how quickly the uh, dressing room harmony fell apart when Ancelotti wasn't quite flavour of the month, especially with the senior players, and he was gone quite quickly after that, especially after results didn't go their way. So it could be an interesting six months opening for Niko Kovac. I, I'm always the other thing that I'm wondering about. This game will set the tone a little bit for his coaching career at Bayern. Let's say they get trashed 5-0 on the, on Saturday. It could happen. I mean, we've seen Bayern do it to other teams. <laughs> How are you going to build authority to, you know, your new players? Like, look, the last time we played you, we absolutely destroyed you as a head coach. Um, and your players uh, said your training methods are rubbish. So, yeah, that's, that's a storyline to watch. I mean, that's, he's sitting a little bit on a bomb. Yeah, yeah, because this could be very embarrassing for him, especially if Bayern run riot. And I am sure, even though I said there could be a sting in the tail to this final, I'm sure they'll want to go out and address some of the wrongs that went on over the weekend. Yeah, I think they were a little bit embarrassed by Stuttgart um, on the presentation day, a day they would have liked to have won and set the tone early. But if they come out and wipe the floor with Frankfurt, you're quite right. How does Kovac go into the dressing room in eight weeks' time and say, right, we're going to do it my way because my way, in inverted commas, just got thrashed? <laughs> yeah, let's see, that's, that's an interest, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, you get that quite often with, uh, outgoing players playing the final against Bayern. Um, with tons of stories like, of course, Lothar Matteo was missing that. That famous penalty with Gladbach against Bayern back in the 80s. Uh, I think this is the first time we have a coach, um, an outgoing coach, coaching against Bayern in the cup final and then going to Bayern and the way things have been for Frankfurt. Poof. Yeah. Um, are we going to do predictions for the final, Chris? What do you think? Well, I actually think everything we've talked about there, Nico Kovac needs to set his toe and he needs to make sure that he's not embarrassed. And it wouldn't surprise me if Frankfurt nicked it 2-1, especially after coming here last season and playing quite well, they restricted Dortmund to, I would say, about 25 minutes of decent play and Dortmund punished them in them 25 minutes of open play. Um, I think they'll have a, they'll have a, a right to wrong or a wrong to right even and, and the support they had here last season. And as we're sitting here, it was just over to our right as we look, um, on the, on that side and, they had fantastic support and they will have that fantastic support again and you're quite right he needs to leave with something he needs to be able to go into that dressing room at Bayern in a few weeks time and be like yep here's a Pokal that I won I know what's best for this club you're going to do it my way and if he doesn't have that he could be in for a bit of a rough time so that's why I'm going to say he's going to throw everything at his players for Frankfurt and they might just sneak it to one ah yeah, that's that's funny because when we walked out of the stadium, or this very stadium that we're sitting in right now on Saturday, and I saw the final results and Frankfurt finished eight. Uh, my first, remember what I said to you? I'm like, Frankfurt are going to win the cup final yeah. because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get burned with this saying that now, but I think uh, Frankfurt are going to win it two nil, and two nil, not even a goal. No, oh, wow. two nil. Frankfurt are going to win it two nil. 
because Bayern are still on the party bus. And that would <laughs> that would be really bad for Stuttgart because Stuttgart, of course, they trashed Bayern and sneaked into that seventh spot. Oh, they need Bayern to win, don't they? Yeah. yeah, exactly. They need Bayern to win because that seventh spot only opens up if Bayern win it. So yeah, it's um, that's my prediction. I I, I might um, might get burned on it, but I'll, I'll stick with it. I say Frankfurt to win it two 0 But I guess we're both saying Frankfurt are going to win it. So I guess in the end Bayern will get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way our predictions have gone. Um, let's talk about this Saturday, Chris, because we were at this game here. Um, Really interesting. I laughed at the, the the closing of the ninety minutes. I said, "Well, I got the same result in the in the final match day in Berlin than I did last year because I did the the Hertha against Leverkusen game. That game ended six two for Leverkusen. Funny enough, that's exactly what we got again. But the other thing is, we get treated some some really nice football in the end of the season when we come out here, don't we? Yeah, we do. Last season we went to Leipzig and saw a phenomenal game, a phenomenal game which ended up. Um, 5-4 to Bayern after being 4-1 down I think well they 4-2 down at one point they were getting beaten anyway quite heavily uh, and this season yeah I mean I was doing a live blog on Football Stat Man who had the match report and I think the goal went in for um, Leipzig after 96-97 seconds then it's 1-1 after 4 minutes and we never really looked back then and just when Hertha looked like they could have got a second and it could have gone 2-2 Leipzig ran away with it and I think at half time there was only one winner out there by full time. It could have, it could have been worse really for Hertha. I thought they were, well, I said they had an abject display. They were disjointed. They didn't really look like they cared once they went 3-1 down. And they didn't, they didn't even start to track back. They weren't pressing. Their, their passes were horrendous. Leipzig were cutting through them like they weren't even there. And I think it's only Leipzig's fault, if you want to call it that that there wasn't 10 goals here on Saturday because their their play deserved it. Um, and maybe Hertha could have got a couple more, maybe one at a push. Um, but it sums up their season. I came up to see them here to play Borussia Dortmund and they faced a, a pretty poor Dortmund side then and they just about got a 1-1. But even that was a boring game. And, you know, they're a beautiful club. They've got really nice people work for them. We've got a good working relationship with them. But the players on the pitch just seem to be dull. Mm all the time and this city needs something a little better than a dull football side but yeah we were treated to some fantastic football and see Naby Keita left uh, I thought he played reasonably well but it was Luckman from Everton who really caught my eye I know um, Augustine caught your eye but but sitting here in the stand it was how have Everton let such a player like that go and he was he was just influential especially for the first 25-30 minutes yeah, you're right. Uh, I think the the reason why I said Augustine in the end for the um, player of the match is because he played the full full ninety, um, and he's he scored the two goals and had the assist. But I mean, Lookman, if he had stayed on, Lookman came off sixty fourth, yeah, sixty fourth minute. Um, that first goal that he scored, he really fooled everyone. <laughs> I mean, he 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 went in and everyone thought he's going to pass in the middle, including uh, including Yastein, the keeper. And then he just like banged it in short corner. That was real nice. The offside will probably never want to see that again no. because it it's a routine save and it somehow yeah. goes underneath his body and it's in the back of the net. And well, I suppose that sums up Hurst's day really, didn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I want to back up a lot of the things that you're saying because we spend a lot of time in the city. We spent a lot of time here last year. We was, I came back in November to spend some time here and now we're back here again. And we do a lot of things in the city and there's a lot of things to do, uh, in general. And I mean, this is a beautiful facility. It's a beautiful stadium. Um, but I feel that Hertha need to do something to be present in the city. There is something just lacking a little bit. And it's that maybe it's the players, maybe it's the coaching. It's, but if you want to be successful in the city, you have to be exciting. You know, they, they have that slogan, Hertha is the future, Hertha is the Zukunft. But I don't see that right now. In 10th place finish, you know, Preetz, the sporting director afterwards said, well, we're happy with that. I don't, we didn't feel there was more in it for us. I don't know, um, if that is the way for them forward. They need to do something exciting. And I think maybe we were talked about this on the way to the stadium today, a new stadium. You know, there's, there's talk about a new stadium, something compact, 55,000, something small, something that excites people, right, Chris? 
Yeah, because although we're sitting in it here and, and it's a beautiful stadium, obviously the World Cup final's been here, the Champions League final was here a few years ago and I think it's the only place in the world and I'm looking at it now with a roof like it is, with the way it extends and then it's got the glass and then the little break at the end where the steps come down and it is a wonderful stadium. But a little like uh, anyone that has watched English football this year, Tottenham didn't particularly have a good time at Wembley and Arsenal didn't have a good time when they played Champions League football at Wembley. It's not a club stadium. It's a it's a final venue, and that's why the DFB Pokal is so popular here. And I was here last season, and it had a completely different feel to the to the Hertha games that have been here. And you're quite right. This is a real hip city. And where we had lunch today, we had a really cheap four euro salad, which is as much as we can eat. You're not getting what we ate um, for that price in London, or even maybe down in Munich or somewhere like that. It is a really cool, hip place, and it needs a cool, hip club. Do you know which club would be fantastic here? FC Köln. They would fit this city um, because it's such a cool stadium. The fans are so exciting. You know, and give them their due. The Hertha fans were up and down and jumping and bouncing, and it was a lot fuller than I've ever seen it for most Bundesliga games. There was people sitting in the top tier where we are now, not just the bottom tier. But it needs a small, tight, compact, dare I say it, English old-style ground yeah. where the you know your supporters are five, six, ten foot away from the um, edge of the pitch. It's loud. It's in the opposition fans' ears. The home crowd are a lot more compact. You know they're spread out throughout this old stadium. And if they could get into their own stadium, I think it'd be brilliant. And they don't need a massive stadium. You're quite right. We've, how many stadiums have we seen across Germany? Something like the Opel Arena down at Mainz would be perfect for them. Uh, you know, I know the um, Rhein Energy Stadion is quite big, um, as in it's an old facility and, and a very nice facility. But looking around, there's so many new stadiums across Germany which could fit the bill. And, and we were in one yesterday. As, mm. Was it yesterday? Mm. I don't even know what day it is now. It's, it's Monday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We were in one yesterday in Dresden, a DDV stadium, which, well, well, it's one of the best stadiums I've been to in. I'm going to say two years. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this, they, they need something maybe not quite, a little bigger than 30,000. I think they could probably average about 45,000, 50,000 a game. But they had 60,000 on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and this, this stadium right now it holds 75,000. You know, that's Dortmund, Bayern. That's that kind of category. And Hertha are just not that kind of category club, um, simply because of all the other things that are going on. And it's not a one-club city. Um, there is, you know, another show in town in Union Berlin, a very, very popular team that is building, actually ex extending their stadium 35,000 seats and they're going to fill that place. No problem at all. Um, so you could say that hip, hip club is in the city already. It's just on the other side, literally the other side of the city. Um, it's an interesting comparison that you make with the, with the, uh, Wembley stadium. I was actually thinking a little bit about West Ham. And their situation, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it's the same thing, it's isn't it? Same thing, yeah. I mean, it's one of the only stadiums I know in Germany that hasn't got any standing, so it's yeah. all-seater stadium, and that does affect the atmosphere that's generated around it. I know players are players, and they should be able to play anywhere. Be that you know, with three men and a dog watching around on a Sunday park, or whether it's a really tight, compact, noisy stadium like we've seen not just across Germany but across Europe, but. I mean, as I'm looking now, the distance from the goal line to where your, you know, where your fanatical supporters are sat, that's too far. They, they need something. As I say, this is a beautiful stadium for a final, but it's nowhere near a club stadium. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's get to the business ends of this. So the result means that Leipzig have finished sixth, but, um, I mean, they did their end of the business because they were hoping, of course, that with a win, they could maybe sneak into the Champions League spots after all. That would have meant Dortmund would have had to beat Hoffenheim and Leverkusen would have to lose against Hannover. Now, <laughs> we were, we were watching the game here, but we were also following things in, uh, Hannover and in Hoffenheim. And, uh, Dortmund basically did the same thing that they did with the Champions League. They snuck into the group stage of the Champions League just on goal difference. It's such an, can we say an embarrassing end to Dortmund's season? Well. Yes, but it's going to be embarrassing for them because you're quite right. They went through to Champions League on goal difference and whether they like it or not, this season they're not the biggest club in the region. That's gone to Schalke who finished second and that I think that'll hurt them more than um, getting into Champions League on goal difference. Getting into Champions League is getting into Champions League. Obviously, 
this coming season, um, Germany gets that fourth automatic qualifying spot, so there's no um, playoff for them to negotiate. But yeah, it is. They're, at one point, they were second, and they should have really held on to that. And Peter Stoger had a little bit of a a new manager bounce, but the football wasn't very good. But the last few weeks, oh, it's been god awful to watch. And you know, no disrespect to him because. He did wonderful things at Cologne in those four years, but I think it was uh, he's bitten off more than he could chew with Borussia Dortmund, and they're going to get someone in. By all accounts, now we know who um, who's going to make them play interesting football. Um, and I know you've got a good stat about Lucien Favre and and where he allows players to shoot from and where to defend from, and I think that's what Dortmund need. They need a completely different approach and. It's going to be interesting to watch the next season because Schalke have got it all to do. And my only fear is, unless they strengthen in the summer, as they stand right now, I think they could just drop into the Europa League stages from the Champions League. Mm. Yeah, Schalke need to do a lot, I think. Um, I know Domenico Tedesco, um, he's been in drumming the, the drum, um, banging the drum about how, how his team is underestimated, but they're losing Max Meyer in really bad fashion and covered that a couple of weeks ago. Leon Goretzka, of course, off to Bayern. Um, they're getting in Mark Wood. That's a great signing. Yeah. Uh, very good signing. Um, but I think they will have to do a bit more than that. They, they need to really strengthen that side because you also look at the, the Bundesliga standing. So we had Schalke finish second. We had Hoffenheim finish third. Amazing job by Nagelsmann, by the way. Dortmund fourth. Then Leverkusen, then Leipzig, and Leverkusen and Leipzig. So Leverkusen finished even on points with Dortmund. They just failed to reach Champions League by three goals. Leipzig, um, you know, two points behind that. Those two, to those two in particular, they will be pushing for a Champions League spot real heavy. Leipzig will have, of course, you know, they're losing Kater, but they're bringing in some very good players in the summer, I imagine. Same with Leverkusen. They will be really be pushing for that Champions League spot. So Schalke will be, they will be the teams that will be pushed the most. And then, of course, Dortmund as well, because Dortmund, they will have a new coach. And hopefully, um, you know, in Germany, we say that the next shot has to be the one that sits because they have now gone through three coaches in very short order. The next coach has to be the one because they could really drop out of it. If, if they fail to get in the right coach, if Lucien Faber is not the one and they fail to make the proper signings, then, oh, you know, I just look at what Leverkusen is doing right now in the summer and the squad that they have. They will be pushing really hard next year and, and same with Leipzig. So the teams in the top really have to watch it a little bit. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Hoffenheim because they had a they had a fantastic season last season. Little bit of a poor start, but I think now we can say maybe they didn't do as bad as they did in that Champions League playoff because we mentioned it. We talked about it on Saturday, didn't we? They didn't just go out the Champions League to anyone. They've gone out to a finalist. Obviously, they're beaten by Liverpool in the playoff, and they were easily beaten by Liverpool in the playoff, but. If you look at what that team gone on to do and who they've beaten in Europe, I don't think it's an embarrassing factor for Hoffenheim anymore. And the last few months, Nagelsmann's um, he's turned that around, and for them to finish third, I think is is excellent, especially this season, um, because they've had to fight Schalke and Leverkusen. Last last year it was pretty much a straight fight between Dortmund mm. and Leipzig for that spot, but they've had two new pretenders come in, um, so it's it's. It's ex- exceptional what they've done. And I worry a little for them in next season Champions League, but let's just wait till then because they've had a fantastic season and I hope they can keep most of their stars. I know they're going to um, lose Uth, who is, has been phenomenal at times and I've really enjoyed watching him play. Um, it's safe to say we all know Nagelsmann's staying. He's not going anywhere. It's I hope he can keep that core of players he's got and maybe add to them because you know Dortmund are going to strengthen um, Leverkusen are going to strengthen. Leipzig, you've already said, you know, unsurprised if they don't bring a few of that talented teams in 
from um, sorry, talented players from um, Salzburg. Obviously, they're not connected with, but they've no. got a good relationship. Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, the eyes are UEFA. They're not. They're not related. Um, and also Stuttgart, who finished seventh, they're going to strengthen. Um, so it's going to be very difficult for um, all of those teams. I think we're going to have seven teams fighting for four slots, and that doesn't work really. Seven into four doesn't go, does it? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Stuttgart because they were busy today, like literally today. They have made four signings: um, Mafio from Manchester City, Sosa, uh, Kemp, and Kupchak, a young, talented player from Borussia Dortmund. And I think. You know, that, that talent, let's leave him aside. But Mafio is a great signing, a real good signing. Manchester City, I spoke to a Manchester City expert today. Um, because we got really good relations to the City Watch. They're saying they're really, really unhappy that they're losing him. Um, so they're getting him. And then, of course, Kemp, great defender from Freiburg. Um, they're signing him on a free transfer. And Sosa is one of the high, highest rated defenders in Croatia at the moment. So they're really knowing what they're doing right now. Reshka is busy and, it looks like he's getting all his eggs in the basket really early on, really early on, and I'm told, I reckon they're not done yet. Um, also, today it was announced that Gomez is staying. Apparently, at an exit clause that no one knew about, so he's staying. That's they're going to be in real good shape come next season. Um, and we have to remember they're a promoted side, so they they're going to really push next year. They've done very very well from coming up from um, from Bundesliga two last season and. I thought they played exceptionally well when I saw them against um, Bayern just before the winter pause. They were really unlucky with that um, last-minute VAR call. Uh, and they they really impressed me when I saw them. Um, well, they took apart that Cologne side, didn't they? Uh, and, yeah, they, they're they a they're a big club in a, in a big city that has maybe been sleeping for a little while. And maybe this is back to their ascendancy up the league. And, you know, they've done a lot of good strengthening, as you said, today. And... I think if you want to do good business, you've got to do it early because this is a World Cup year, don't forget. Mm. So um, prices will only start to rise and will start to inflate, um, especially if you can nick a couple of those um, players from the 23-man squads that are going to the World Cup. All you need is a good substitute appearance or maybe one or two good group games and, and the price for that particular player goes through the roof. So for Stuttgart to start doing their business now um, is, is commendable, really. And, and you're quite right, it shows... What are they going to do next season? What are their ambitions? Because having been promoted and then finishing seventh, you can only see that their aspirations will be to finish either sixth or fifth. Um, I think maybe the Champions League might be a step too far, but they will push for the Champions League place. But if I was um, if I was in Stuttgart now, I'd be saying, right, seventh after a promotion, we can quite easily get fifth next year. Yeah, and you remember the Mercedes is behind them. Big company that's of course based in Stuttgart. When you go to the the stadium in Karnstadt, it's basically right next to the factory. And Mercedes is of course saying like, look, um, there, there's another car maker that we're going to get to in a bit, <laughs> and um, they haven't done so well. We want to show them that they can be a you can be a traditional club, and b you can still support you get support from a historic big company in Germany and do well. So I think they want to also show off a little bit, you know, the, how it is done properly. So I think there's going to be a lot of money invested in Stuttgart in the next few years. Uh, I'm really curious about that project. And with Reschke, they have one of the best managers in the league, like or sporting directors, not coaches, but sporting directors. So I'm really curious what they do. And I, I've heard that they're not done yet with signing players. There's more to come. So um, it looks like they're really ambitious. I guess when you talk about ambitious, uh, a bit of a transfer story that we've been working on, and this involves Ryan Brewster, the top scorer of the U17 World Cup last fall, scored eight goals for England um, and helped England win the World Cup, the U17 World Cup. Real fantastic striker owned by Liverpool, but there has been a bit of a race to sign him by several Bundesliga sides. What's the story on that, Chris? Well, well he's... <laughs> His family wanted to stay in Liverpool. By all accounts, the player himself wants to stay in Liverpool. Um, but he has been so young. His father is his advisor. Um, and I believe his father wants him to stay in Liverpool. But like any professional footballer, he has a sports management and talent agency. And they're looking at where he can get maybe more development. And um, they've been looking at the Bundesliga. So Gladbach are heavily interested, as are Leipzig. Um, but we... Have some excellent information that his sports management company have been trying to offer him to Bayern Munich, which 
would be an odd one and I can only say would benefit the sports management company, not the player, because if he's worried about getting first team action at Liverpool, he should probably be just as worried about getting first team action at Bayern Munich. You know, there's two strikers in ahead of him um, at Bayern, like there's two strikers ahead of him at Liverpool. So if he's looking to get opportunities um, you know, as a Liverpool fan and, and know the way Klopp likes to use youth players, I would I'd advise him to stay there. But his company will be looking at the likes of um, Reese Oxford, be looking at the likes of Jaden Sancho um, and Luckman, and will be saying to him, look, these guys have come here, transforming their careers. They're getting the player minutes, maybe spend one or two years here and then move back to England for for a good fee on a good wage. And maybe that's short-term versus long-term gain for them. Um but Liverpool obviously aren't happy um, and there's reports back in England that anyone that does make a genuine go for him, they'll they'll raise a complaint. I'm not sure what the complaint will do because I don't know if you wait for listen to complaints and they, they don't seem to, to really listen to them. They'll just go, OK, yeah. Um, obviously, if these were English sides, then there would be some sort of arbitration refigure, um, if not a complaint to the Premier League. But this won't happen with international teams. Um, maybe you get a situation whereby Dortmund gave Manchester City a, a little bit of money for Jaden Sancho to smooth over that transaction. Um, I don't know if Gladbach would be willing to pay the same, maybe even Leipzig. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one, but it would seem that he is potentially on his way out and, and to a Bundesliga club, and he's a fantastic player. Um, and he would definitely get the opportunity, but a but I don't think he would get it at Bayern. It would have to be at Leipzig or Gladbach, maybe even more preferential than Leipzig because they're looking to build a team to fight for the top four. And I don't think he's at that level yet. Yeah, I think Bayern would be a bad idea. I know that they want Jan Peter up from Hamburg um, and they seemed close to getting that deal. Um, they, I know that Arp isn't too keen to move to Bayern right now because he's an 18-year-old striker. He was at that same U17 World Cup, just like Brewster, really dazzled. Uh, was fantastic for Germany and has has first team minutes with Hamburg. But um, of course, Hamburg have gone down in the most traumatic fashion. Um, and they, he wants to only move to Bayern if he gets to loan back to Hamburg, um, which I think makes sense. You know, if the young striker at Bundesliga 2 isn't necessarily a bad place to be, um, to, to play and help Hamburg to get back up. So he's on, he's on Bayern's radar. And you're quite right. They have Sandro Wagner and Robert Lewandowski, uh, who's of course <laughs> hoping for a move to Real, which we all know is not going to happen because I think Bayern are not a seller's club. So. Yeah, I think, I think that's the only reason why Bayern is saying, okay, this sounds interesting because if we can't get a number three striker and they will want to sign a number three striker sort of to have someone in the wings, if we can't get up, then we're going to maybe try to get Brewster. But, uh, I think that Gladbach or Leipzig and Leipzig, of course, they, they signed the, uh, the former head scout from Tottenham, right? They, they're looking at all sorts of players. There's, there's another player that they're trying to poach from Tottenham, I believe. So they, they're really that kind of club that like to do that. So I think they would be two really good choices for him. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll, we'll keep, keep up to date with that story. Um, let's talk about Hamburg, Chris, because they went down in the most traumatic of ways. I think at the end, the game was even cancelled. And to be fair, they did their bit. They won their match. Two one. They won a match. They won a match. Um, Although we don't know, did they actually end up winning it? Because if they cancelled it... Yeah, I think. I yeah. They've been given it. I was just wondering why we're getting loads of noise, but I've realised it's the state, it's the half-time stage that no one wants to see. So it's a half-time show. Remember last season... I thought they got rid of Helena Fisher. Yeah, and she was booed. Um, oh, rightly so. She's a horrible artist. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like they're making the stage again, which is all out of scaffolding, which is why you can hear it. But yeah, that Hamburg game... Um, well, obviously, we were here, weren't we, um, watching Head to Berlin, um, and we just saw the pictures, and uh, obviously, we saw the newspaper headlines the next day. I tweeted out a couple of the front-page pictures, which which were amazing, some of them quite brutal. Um, but, yeah, uh, I expected something from the Hamburg fans, especially after the crosses um, that were put around the training ground. Um, I think... We, we, I think we can have a little laugh at what the Wolfsburg fans did, which was brought their own clock in the Hamburg style 
and flipped it over every 15 minutes to signify the end of, um, of the dinosaur. Um, but it is on a serious note, what happens to Hamburg now? Do they keep that core of players? Um, I think they'll keep, they'll keep the coach because they started to play good football yeah. under them. And they did get some really good results. For me, they lost it in that defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt. They managed to beat Wolfsburg and drag Wolfsburg right back into yeah. the um, sticky brown stuff. And then they've thrown it away the week after that, which has in essence allowed Wolfsburg to, to sneak into that relegation side, uh, sorry, into that relegation spot. But yeah, the, to say they weren't happy at Hamburg would be an understatement. Those plumes of black smoke grenades, uh, the flares, um, the trouble outside. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how Hamburg are because, well, you would say they're too big a club to go down. They've gone down now and, mm such is the mood around the club that you only hope that it doesn't turn into a disastrous season in Bundesliga 2 for them and next thing you know the dinosaur that's never dropped out of top flight football is all of a sudden um, played into I Liga you look at Kaiserslautern yeah real sad story um, the, the team that was the core of the 1954 World Cup team um, of course the only team in Bundesliga history to go down win the cup in the year that they were relegated Go straight back up to the Bundesliga and win it that year. Um, don't think Hamburg are going to do that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to celebrate a 2020 Hamburg Bundesliga title. <laughs> um, oh, I shouldn't say that. I should put a bet on that now, shouldn't I? Yeah. Uh, some really good odds on that. Anyways, I don't think that's going to happen, even with the coaching that Tietz has done. Um, yeah, it's really too bad. I, I agree with you. I think that the result of Frankfurt, of course, those are three points gone. That would have been enough. Yeah, that would have been that would have been it, and it's really too bad because they played some really good football in the last few weeks, and it was really just that result against Frankfurt unnecessary, really, really unnecessary. So yeah, they they'd be missed. Uh, some of the headlines that we saw, of course, um, an end mit Schrecken, an end with a break. Uh, Hamburg, your kicker said um, goodbye, Hamburg, but will there be a coming back? Will there be a Wiedersehen? Right? Uh, goodbye, but auf Wiedersehen? Uh, question mark. So will we? Will there be a comeback? It's a good question. I mean, um, Bundesliga two is not an easy league to navigate. There's a big club going down in Köln as well that will is probably better prepared than they are. Yeah. Because you know, you look at Hector staying, Horn is staying. Uh, Heinz might be staying today. All the core players are staying, and they've got the backing of their fans. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's an, that's an interesting question. I, I, those two are going to essentially pull a Stuttgart or Han and Hannover, which was the scenario two years ago when the two big ones went down. Right? Are, going, are they going to pull a, a big one like Hannover and Stuttgart that go straight back up? Um, good question. I mean, we'll see. This it's in, we saw Bundesliga too. Um, because we went to the game yesterday and half the league was still fighting relegation, um, including the side that we saw in Amo Dresden. It's such a, um, such a competitive league that if you, a few missteps and you write, you can, you can drop down, you know, so, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see them. Um, but yeah, let's talk about our game experience on, Sunday, because that was, that was real cool. Dresden, last year we did, we did almost the reverse. We went to Leipzig on the Saturday. Then we went to, uh, Berlin on the Sunday to see the, the Bundesliga match, uh, with Union. We got to, of course, where we were in Berlin, um, on Saturday. And then we went to Dresden for the, for the Sunday match. We saw Union again. So Dynamo Dresden against Union. You already touched on the stadium. That's, that was a great facility, hey, with that press box so high up, right underneath the roof, uh, real cool view and very steep stands. Um, and the atmosphere outside the ground, just fantastic. So I think Dresden is definitely a place that we're going to keep on our list, isn't it? It is most definitely. And I was really impressed by their K-block, which is their main, um, the main terrace behind the, the, obviously the goal. You'd get many a German side where the fans are noisy for the whole 90 minutes, but not on that level. And maybe it's the design of the stadium. Maybe the um, acoustics in the stadium are exceptional, but it sounded louder than some stadia I've been in with double the capacity. Um, and yeah, okay, on the day the football wasn't particularly good, but I think they were very nervous because, you know, results not gone their way and they could have been dragged into a situation where they're playing in a playoff. They had to not lose 
um, <laughs> which which was ironic because they did in the end. Um, but all the games below them went their way. But they were playing for a draw, and I always find it dangerous. If you're a side and you play for a draw, nine times out of ten you're going to get beat. You should go out and play for the win. Um, and I don't think Union were weren't particularly bothered because they they were safe where they were. You know, their season finished for them. They obviously they hadn't made the top three, but they were never going to get dragged down into the into the last day nonsense. And so they were on their they were on their party time and. It's only about 60 minutes. They felt they could really win that game, and they started to press and press. And maybe Dresden should have. I think maybe they should have won that game 3-1 in the end. And, but it was, as you said, it was a fantastic area, fantastic stadium. Um, I think it always helps when you watch football in the brilliant sunshine, doesn't it? Yeah, the weather. I mean, uh, I'm looking out right now, and what did we have to pay? 26 degrees in sunshine. Uh, it's always brilliant when we're out here. So and today is, of course, no exception. Yesterday was an absolutely brilliant day. This is, I guess it's kind of like a beer garden open stage area where the Dynamo Dresden fans hung out just outside the ground and there there was bratwurst smoke in the techno air. Music. Or techno music. <laughs> really East German style. Um, yeah. Scooter. Scooter. Yeah. It was, it was really, really good stuff. Um, and then of course, you know, when you, when you're in that kind of mood, it really helps. Um, summer football, as you say in German, summer football. Uh, it didn't mean this in a, in a very positive way, but I mean, when you're talking about the league standings, um, you were watching all the results and really the one result that they had to worry about was that Braunschweig Braunschweig game, right? Because everyone, I guess, was kind of eyeing the Braunschweig game because if Braunschweig would have won their game, that would have changed everything kind of like upside down. But um, Braunschweig played the promotion playoffs last year. Yeah, I saw them. Saw them at Wolfsburg. You saw them, Chris. And they got absolutely destroyed by a side that already had secured their spot. 6-2. I remember we saw the results come in and for the first 30 minutes, that was the only game that had goals. We were watching the ticker. And we were, okay, there's another and there's another. And it was 2-1. It was 1-0, Yeah, and Broadtrack have gone down. That's, that's remarkable because, it, yes, a year ago, they were, they were just a couple goals away from promotion to the Bundesliga. You can only imagine what would have happened to them if, um, <laughs> if they had gone up for the season they've had, they would have, well, they would have been decimated, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, it, well, you, you get what you deserve. Maybe the deflation of the playoff defeat last season to Wolfsburg set the tone for them for this particular season. But yeah, you don't expect to lose like that. And you can only imagine that Kiel, who are now in the same position Braunschweig were last season, were trying to make a statement to whoever finished in that day, which was Wolfsburg, when they were trying to make a statement to Wolfsburg. Obviously, they played the day after, so they knew who they would be playing. And yeah, they, they had a crazy stat. They had uh, 20 shots, something like that. So they obviously, they're getting their eye in for this Thursday's game um, away. So if they can get a couple of away goals, that's going to be quite crucial for them to take back onto their own stadium. But yeah, you, you would have expected... Um, the results who've gone the other way because Kiel have nothing to play for and obviously Braunschweig have everything to play for. I can only assume because I haven't seen it played back but once they went a couple of goals behind it just fell apart for them and, and they they mentally collapsed and, and were bowled over but yeah it's interesting that Al have fell into that um, relegation playoff spot and uh, we saw this morning that they've made a complaint about um, a goal that was scored which is actually drop them in it hasn't it so um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see because I mean for me and we chatted about this before FIFA's policy is a referee's decision is final so if the goal was missed then you know as the French say so lovely yeah 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 I always would have had a goal and a dagger biggery cleared it off and I mean if you look at it you don't even need a close up he clears it and it's, it's a good two feet behind. Like Frank Lampard's <laughs> goal against Germany. That's how far behind it was. Yeah, it was very far behind. I was shocked that the Bundesliga 2 don't have Hawkeye. I thought they did too, but I guess they don't. Um, that point would have put him on 41, which of course would have put him third on, on the relegation playoffs against Karlsruhe. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Actually, no, that would put him on 41. Um, yeah, and then of course Darmstadt would be still out of it. Um, and Fürth would actually have to play the playoffs. But you know what is remarkable? 
Braunschweig are going down with 39 points. You always said the 40 points is, is that safety? Yeah. Kaiserslautern, the last place team in the league, had 35 points. Well, yeah, we, we only have to go up to, um, eighth place, <clears> which <throat> is where Union were, and they were on 47. So, I mean, it's a very, very, very tight league, isn't it? Very tight. I guess that's what happens when you have parity, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's shocking that Braunschweig have gone down with 39 points. Um, remarkable in itself because you don't, the, the, the mathematics have always been in German football. You have 40 points, you are stay in the league and Aue could see themselves relegated in the end with 40 points. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, 10th to 17th was the relegation zone. Yeah, it was. Uh, we'll see how the DFB decides on that goal. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to turn it over. Um, I just simply can't see it happening because that FIFA has a very clear stance on that. And FIFA was really upset with when the um, DFB decided to take away that yellow card against Peterson, right? And um, lift the ban. And I think they, I, I just can't see it. I guess, Worst case, there would be a repeat game. But where are you going to fit it in? I mean, this Thursday, our will play, no, on Friday, our will play, uh, Karlsruhe in the relegation playoffs. So, yeah, no, I don't think there's, there's going to be any chance. Uh, but relegation playoffs, Thursday. Yeah. Kiel, two Wolfsburg. You know, I get to eat currywurst. You get your currywurst. Very important. Yeah, at Wolfsburg yep. again. Well, hopefully. We'll yep. find out next day or something. And uh, I get to see Kiel go up the week, the few days after. I mean, uh, I, I'm completely neutral as a journalist. I, of course, hope the, all the best to Wolfsburg as well. But with that result that Kiel got against Braunschweig, uh, absolutely destroying them, they're ready, aren't they, Chris? I think they want to go up. Yes. And I know... Wolfsburg have made it um, out of the automatic relegation place with, with a good win, and they'll be happy with that. But they're in the same situation again as they were last year. They're fighting for their lives. Um, and Kiel are on a bounce, um, on a massive bounce. And that 6-2 victory, it, it sets the tone. And I would think it also frightens Wolfsburg. And don't forget, Wolfsburg have got a couple of players on loan who, well, if they go down, who cares? I'm not going to be there next year. Yeah, I think no one cares at Wolfsburg anymore. I mean, they, it's, um, keel over. Oh, <laughs> Had to do it. <laughs> um, the interesting question I have, though, because this has been in the headlines this week as well, where is Kiel going to play? Because their stadium is really small. And they put in a protest because initially the DFB said, no, you can, the DFL, sorry, not the DFB, the DFL said, you cannot play in the stadium in the, in the Bundesliga. The stadium meets all the security criteria. It meets all the criteria for press. It meets all the infrastructure criteria. The only problem that they have that it's not big enough. And now Kieler said, like, look, we did not think that we would go up this year. We can't build in, we can't build a stadium for 15,000 people in Liga 3. We don't have, we, you know, financially, it's not something we can do. So they put in a protest saying like we, they want to play in that stadium because the DFL said no football, not even no exceptions in Kiel next season. Um, considering that they meet all the safety criteria, the media criteria, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the only one that really loses out on that being a smaller stadium is actually just Kiel by making less money. And you almost get the sense the DFL is upset because you know Hamburg and Köln are going down. Those are two big number stadiums that they're almost worried about the average attendance numbers, but it doesn't really seem fair to Kiel because they're in the end, they're really the only ones losing out on this. And they are, they actually are working on getting this, making the stadium bigger. That's just, there's just no miracle way to, you know, add 55,000 seats overnight. It's just not possible. What's your thought on this? As long as it meets the safety criteria and it meets the requirements for obviously broadcasting rights. So the press box, um, the infrastructure can deal with the cameras that are needed. The infrastructure is able to deal with the VAR that's needed. Uh, Safety is a paramount issue. If it passes all that, then yeah, let them play there. So what? It's not going to be sixty, seventy thousand stadium. You know, Darmstadt isn't exactly the most um, exciting arena, nor the most aesthetically pleasing arena. Um, even um, Ingolstadt's Audi Arena isn't that big of a stadium. I think it would be sad for Kiel to be forced to play their games somewhere else. 
um, which is what they would do. And ironically, it would be somewhere like Hamburg, wouldn't it? Which, which would be quite funny. Um, and, and the clock's still going to be going, and I'm sure you'll mention about the clock in a moment. But um, yeah, why not let them let them and say to them, okay, this is a deal. You play here for one season. If you secure your um, Bundesliga status for the season after, in that eight weeks in the summer, you've got to do something. Um, and you, you've got to make that process happen now. They could even go from winter onwards with one stand shut off and built higher, which is what plenty of clubs around the world have done. You just have three sides of the ground open and you extend you know, one side one particular summer uh, and then the next side the next particular summer. So it's over a two, three season um, period where you build your stadium up. But I say let them play at their home ground. And you know what it's like going to these smaller stadiums. Sometimes the atmosphere is a little better and, and it gets you back to, you know, let's say, want to call it proper football, but let's say more traditional football in your know, traditional working class stadium, which, which is what they've got. And I think visiting fans would be quite happily go there. I think if you're, if you're a Hertha fan, you know, and you're used to this week in, week out, I think it would be great to go somewhere like Kiel with a small stadium. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned the small stadium. I mean, I saw 1860, of course, they dropped down to the fourth division, but um, they're now playing in a stadium that has 12,500 seats. We'll have 15,000 seats next year because they, the stadium is being renovated. It's fantastic. I mean, you know, that you, yes, it doesn't help your attendance numbers, figures, but, you know, it's not just about that. Um, the Bundesliga, of course, has a status to defend that it has, it's the league with the highest attendance numbers in the world. Okay. Well, you know, Hamburg and Hamburg and Köln went down because they weren't good enough. Yeah. And if Wolfsburg go down, well, they weren't good enough. And if Kiel go up, well, it's because they are, they're a good side. They play good football. And I think as such, it would be shame. Um, Hamburg have now, of course, said, no, you, Kiel is not allowed to play here. Um, they have said that, oh, we, we can't, we have to train in the stadium, so we can't have another team play here, which sounds a little bit like, uh, it's a bit upsetting, but, so they would have to play in Rostock. That's a far away, man. For playing your home games, that would be very unfair. You would be essentially playing 34 away games. I, I, I just, I don't know. If you qualify for it, if your stadium meets all the safety criteria, I get the safety criteria thing. I get that. If it's, if it's an issue of safety, okay, fair enough. If it's an issue of not being able to broadcast, fair enough. But the Bundesliga 2 broadcasting standards are the same for the, for the Bundesliga. So let them play. Um, and then put in the stipulation, look, you have to make sure that if you stay in the, the year after, which they are doing anyways, they're having, putting everything in motion. Okay, then you have to, you know, stadium capacity has to be increased to what, 15,000, 20,000. I think Kiel wants to have a stadium with 30,000 seats. Eventually they're going to get there anyways, right? So yeah, let them play in their stadium. I think it'd be a, it'd be a fun story. See that <laughs> going from like an arena like Munich and then going to see like that underdog story. I, I think it'd be, it'd be a great time. Uh, the clock, you need to mention the clock. We almost forgot about the clock. Hamburg have decided to keep the clock running. <laughs> Chris is laughing. Yeah, I, I, we were all hoping it would be finally gone. So they've changed the clock now to represent. So the clock now runs from the, the, the foundation time of the club. And then instead of saying in the Bundesliga since, it says tradition since. Yeah. So the founding year was 1887. So it's running from the year 1887 to the present. So they just added a one in front of it. Yeah, you're shaking your hat. I think rightfully so because it's, it's a bit of a ridiculous story. Um, we're getting close to out of time. We, do you think, I think the one thing that we need to mention, Joachim Löw, um, I guess by the time the podcast is out, he will be just nominating his squad. One of any surprises that we're suspecting for, for this nomination, Chris? Anyone that comes to mind? No, because his, his strongest 11 sort of picks itself. Um, and then obviously this goes a little bit over and then it gets slimmed down. Um, I would be, I tell you what, I would be surprised that if Emre Chan is anywhere near it because he's only just coming back to fitness now. There's a potential he could make the bench for the Champions League final, um, but he will not have played for months. Do you want to take a player who hasn't played for months to a World Cup, even if it's only in the preliminary squad that gets cut? Seems a bit of a waste of time to me. Um, yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be any massive surprises in there because it's so strong, isn't it? The, the squad itself. And there's going to be disappointments, I think. People will be cut because we know Germany can 
field maybe three and a half sides of, you know three and a half elevens which are of a good quality so um yeah i think all all eyes will be on manuel neuer won't they? yeah manuel neuer is the big one i think he's he's not he's not played a match day 34 someone expected that he would he Heinkes has now said he's not playing in the cup final so that leaves two friendly matches for germany's playing saudi arabia and austria Saudi Arabia and Leverkusen, June second, and Austria, May twenty seventh. Don't. Yeah. I mean, you could argue yeah. that you and I could play in goal for Germany because of the strength of the midfield and the back four, but they're still going to need someone. Yeah, but they used to that. They yeah. used to that playing keeper. Yeah. So I mean, I personally have no worries about Testegen playing. No, he's very, very good keeper. You know, you don't play where you are if you're Testegen. If if you know, you're a bit of a no mark. Um, obviously. That's the that's the strength Germany have got. They're able to pull a yeah. keeper in, a second choice keeper, who's a main keeper for the Spanish champions, which I don't think you're going to get with many other countries. Look, and there is there is no um, this is something that I picked up this morning. The thought is that Neuer, even if he's in the squad, he's not going to play in the group stage, if at all. He might be reserve keeper to Stegen. because Testegen, and I mean that makes sense. Testegen has played what 38 games for Barcelona. Um, he was unbeaten until last night. <laughs> <laughs> very good keeper. Uh, very good keeper. He's won the Champions League as well. Um, you know, at a young age, he's 25. He's already won the Champions League. He's, he's a champion with Barcelona, I think two times in a row now. Yeah. Um, people forget sometimes in Germany a little bit about him. But, you know, Barcelona play exactly the same style than Germany do, that Bayern do. You know, that outfield goalkeeper is very, yeah. very important. You know, I reckon in the end of the day, if Neuer does make the squad, there's still a good chance that he's not going to play. But he will be an excellent addition for his knowledge. Yeah. Uh, he's a World Cup winner, obviously. Um, so he's been and seen and done it at the top tournament. Yeah. So he would be a brilliant addition to the dressing room. And maybe that's why you take him. Yeah, because in the end of the day, you know, if you, they train a lot during the World Cup, right? So in the end of the day, if they like say like, look, okay, we we don't trust your match fitness right now, but we want to have you around. Um, and I think he's he said privately that he he would be happy to sit on the bench just to be there, um, because I, of course he he's, Neuer is a smart man. He's you know he's very ambitious, but he also understands that you know it's it's for the good of the country, and sometimes for the good of the country you have to take a back seat and let the guy play that has the match fitness and I think in Testegen they play a lot of games in Spain too so you know for keeper it's so important to have that match fitness it's not like Sami Khedira in the 2014 World Cup who tore his ACL and then uh, played the Champions League final in one game for Real and you know and then you, you train you train you train you can get as a player as an outfield player you can get that match fitness through training right it's harder for it's a lot harder for a keeper because so much about anticipation um, routine, etc., etc. So I think I think we're looking at a scenario that even if he makes the squad, he might not be playing. Yeah, and I'll tell you who would be glad if he goes would be Bayern Munich because he get a preseason preseason. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, Chris, that's it. Probably just about the right time because the Olympiastadion is about to get even noisier. Yeah, if that's possible. Well. um I mean, what else there is to say? I think, think we're going to have the match coverage, pre-match coverage on this coming your way in the next few days. Um, there's going to be some World Cup previews coming up on footballgrad.com as we're getting closer and closer to that tournament as well. Um, I think that's pretty much it. All of that can be found at footballgrad live. You can follow me at Manuel Weff. And Chris, where can people find you? Um, I'm on uh, at Chris78Williams on Twitter. Excellent stuff. All right, guys. Well, until next week. Next week, we'll get Bryce back too. Yeah, he's he's at home. Apparently, he's he's sad that he's not making this one, but he'll be back. That's it. Until next week, auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus. Als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.